Life. <laughs> Amen. comes to prayer, um, the Bible is very, very serious about it. In fact, you're going to see over and over and over again in the New Testament, this theme began to be developed. And, and in the New Testament, the scriptures also acknowledge that prayer is difficult. Paul says, labor with me in prayer. Isn't that an interesting choice of words? Work with me at prayer. It, it's almost as if the apostles acknowledging, hey, it doesn't come easy for most of us. So labor with me, work with me, sweat with me in prayer. The Bible says to pray without ceasing, okay? So that that amen that we say is a so be it, not an ending to our dialogue with God Almighty. Rejoice in hope. Persevere in tribulation. Be devoted to prayer. Ephesians 6.18 Pray at all times in the Spirit with all perseverance, with all devotion. Devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful in prayer. Continue in. Be steadfast in prayer. Isaiah 62, 6-7 says this. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I, God Almighty, have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give me no rest until He, God the Father, establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. So God loves being bothered by His children so much that He literally appoints people to bother Him. Did, did you hear it in the text? Give me no rest. Don't stop asking me. Don't stop petitioning me. Don't stop begging me until Jerusalem is established. In this, God's saying, listen, He's saying, bother me. Bother me. Pester me. Alright? Keep knocking on my door. Give me no rest until I answer you. Alright? So this is, once again, the same. Not only has He ordained that we should ask Him, but He delights in the asking. James 4.2 You desire and you do not have so you murder you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel listen to this you do not have because you do not ask is it not an implication of this text that if you did ask you would have Luke 11 9-10 this is red letter Jesus said this and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened to you.
this morning. I call this message Firehouse Prayer. Reviving our hearts. I've spent a couple weeks talking to you about revival. I'm talking this morning about a passion that won't be extinguished by offense. A pursuit that won't be stifled by opposition. A persistence that won't be quenched by lack of feelings. See, that we would have a burning desire for the lost. Did you know that 150,000 people died and went to hell today? The sad thing is, what was on my mind? What was on your mind? What concerned you today? See, I'm embarrassed because we think about job, we think about money, we think about feelings, we think about marriage, we think about happiness, status, maybe even our favorite TV show, our sports, our cars, and all kinds of things that revolve around me. But what is on God's mind this morning? The lost. What grips you? See, the movie, The War Room, it would move us from the closet, it would move us from the couch to the closet, it would move us from the living room to the throne room. See, if I'm not moved, God move me. If I'm not mourning for the lost, make me mourn. If I'm not motivated for the lost, motivate me. See, God, if this is your heart, it should be mine. In the gospel, in this gospel today of fun, favor, and freedom, the burden for the lost should still cause me to agonize, anguish, and cry out and intercede. My prayer this morning is that you would take this back home with you and that you would not just come here this morning for a brief moment, for an emotional encounter and think about the loss, but it would take back to your war room and you would begin to contend. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions, and let not one of them go unwarned and unprayed for. See, I've talked about these men of old the last couple weeks. Charles Spurgeon He was a prince of preachers, they say. He had a mega church preacher long before any of us knew what mega preachers were. He lived from 1834 to 1892. And at one service at the Crystal Palace, at London's Crystal Palace, he preached to a congregation of 23,000 souls listening intently on the edge of their seats without a microphone. It's estimated that in his lifetime, Spurgeon preached to around 10 million people. He was a pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London for 38 years. It was a pleasant Sunday morning, and five college students were sightseeing in London when they decided to hear the famed C.H. Spurgeon preach. Arriving at the huge church, they sat on the steps and waited for the doors to open. While chatting among themselves, a man of the congregation came by and greeted them and engaged them in a pleasant conversation. After a while, he asked, gentlemen, let me show you around. Would you like to see the heating plant of this church? The young men were not particularly interested as the heating plant was not on the top of their list of things that they wanted to visit. Besides, it was, uh, they didn't want to offend this, this stranger who had been so nice to them, so they consented. The young men were taken down a stairway, down to, down to where a door was quietly opened, and their guide whispered, This is the heating plant. Surprised, the students saw 700 people, quietly bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin. In the auditorium above, softly, he closed the door. The, gentle, and the gentleman then introduced himself. He said, Good morning, I'm C.H. Spurgeon. 
See, it is in this war room that the furnace is ignited. It is in this war room where the fire is stoked. It is in this war room where the flame is fanned. When everything is going wrong, get into the war room. When everything is out of control, get into the war room. When when the enemy is attacking, get into the war room. When everything is going great, get into the war room. What does it look like here in the war room? It's on my face. It's on my knees. It's crying out from my belly. God, see, see to this day and age, we, we want to we a give me gospel. We want to get me gospel. We want to grace me gospel. What we really need is a gospel that grabs us and grips us, that calls our heart to action and attention. Yes, you can have joy unspeakable and contentment, peace and happiness at all at the same time being agonizing for the lost on our knees, spurring us to the throne, causing us to weep. Firehouse prayer is crying out for the lost, the lukewarm, the lazy, calling out to God to change my heart, repenting for my hardness of heart. Break me for the lost. Break my selfish spirit, God. Cause my spirit to awaken, to arise from my slumber, to lift me from the couch, to lift me out of the, in front of my TV, to awaken me from the dead. See, you are looking for things that can only be found here. You want to grow spiritually? It's found in the war room. You want more of Him? It's found in the war room. You want a more a character makeover? It's found in the secret place, the war room, the inner closet. See, we ask sometimes for another Bible study. What we need is, is to get into the war room. Character is forged here. Life's wounds are healed here. Manna from heaven is given here. The exact amount that you need. Spiritual growth is nurtured here. So dig in, dive in, drench yourself in Him. Once you have tasted all of the sufficient one, nothing else will do. He is not a spiritual bellhop awaiting for your next order. He knows exactly what I need before I even open my mouth. He will take me through. He will take me over. He will do what I need to get me to that place. James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Then let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil and in the name of the Lord. I want to take full attention to this first part. James 5, 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? It doesn't say there, go to the church. It says, let them pray. This word trouble is only used three times in the New Testament. It means hardship, affliction. It means experiencing painful hardship and suffering. The command for us today is if we're in that place or if we know someone that's in that place, our command today is not to bring it to everybody. Our command is to to give it to the Lord in the war room. Dig in. Dive in. Drench yourself in Him. See, the real reason I say all this is because I want you to get ready because when the real trouble strikes, when the shaking that the Bible talks about in Hebrews begins, it'll be life or death. It is not going to be this little petty, polite, polished adversary that we've seen in the past. I'm talking about getting ready for a tsunami, a tidal surge of evil and wickedness that we have not yet seen in these last days. Some of you look to me this morning, you're looking at me like, Greg, you just gave me a left hook. I felt that. I don't know what you're saying here. But see, you got to get ready because there's a whomping that the devil wants to bring out in these final days, he's serving it up. And in the midst of this, I'm this, I'm that. We talk about our faith, we talk about all these things we have, but in reality, I'm weak, I'm feeble, I'm crippled. But the only way I'm going to build my spiritual muscles is to come after him in the war room. 
See, in the war room, I'm going to tell you what happens in the war room. Those muscles that you haven't used, those spiritual muscles, that atrophy you've had, where you, you know how when, you're, when you've, you've hurt yourself or something, you have to keep working it, you've got to keep bending it. That's what happens in that place. In the war room, in the spiritual encounter with God, all of a sudden, those things that we haven't seen in the past, God begins to, to challenge us in that area so that we'll be ready to do what He wants us to do. See, he says, I'm getting a church that's ready to rumble, ramble, and romp instead of grumble, stumble, and stomp. See, get your house in order. Cut cut off everything that's foolish, fleshly, and frivolous. If it's unnecessary, leave it behind. Get in the war room. Make preparations. I'm talking about not physically, but spiritually. Jesus was telling that to his disciples. In Luke 9, 22 and 3, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, neither staff nor bag nor bread nor money don't even have tunics apiece he was telling him listen what you have is within you you don't need all these things on the outside what you have is within your spirit what i've implanted you in that war room is what you will take out into this world it will sustain you it will keep you i know some of you this morning say who is this radically crazy man up there talking like this i'm telling you this because with serious business god's telling us look get ready i'm telling you the time is coming get yourself in order put aside the things that are frivolous you know what it may not even be sinful just put it aside because it means nothing for the kingdom of god see i thought when we went into this place of prayer there would be a a a spiritual high instead it's a place where everything is reset recalibrated and renewed I don't want you just to to go here, to come through this this morning and go, okay, well, I'm ready to pray. No, I want this to be a dress rehearsal for what you do in that spiritual encounter with God. You say this morning, I was talking to someone this week, you know, we're talking about this. He goes, Craig, you know, I've been going to Scott's Bible study and our our discipleship group on Tuesday. He goes, and I'm I'm, I'm changing my my life is, I want to pray. I, I mean, sometimes I don't even know how to pray. You know what the best way to learn how to pray is, is to do it. You don't get good at riding a bicycle by watching it or sitting it on the kickstand in the garage. You got to get it out. Race car drivers, the only reason they're good drivers is because they get out there and they practice. We have to put it into practice. The best way to learn how to pray... Listen, God is not worried about your eloquence in the prayer closet. He doesn't care how you say it. It may not even make sense, but He deciphers it. If they spoke in tongues in the Bible and He understood it, He can definitely, he can definitely understand us when we go in there and, some, and, and our gibberish doesn't sound, doesn't make even any sense. He knows. What, I, what I'm saying this morning is, is get to the place where you just begin to say, listen, I've got to have this. I've got to get in this place. See, I want you to know this morning, you'll get, you, some of, I heard a guy told me not too long ago, he says, I got in there and I tried it, I didn't feel anything. You're not supposed to. 
See, I thought there would be a spiritual high. No, in fact, I'm going to tell you, this place is dark, distant, and dreary. It will feel alone, abandoned, and afraid. But hold on, because he wants us to break through, break in, press in, push in. See, God, the Bible talks about, I'm going to use these scriptures in just a second. He hides himself so that we will pursue. The enemy puts up this spirit, this emotional barrier that is meant to thwart off those who are mild, timid, and feeble. Because he knows that our attempts are always that at the beginning. But once we've gained in, once we've, 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 we've encountered him, a whole new world opens up. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, where he is going to take you is for, his, for your eyes only. What he is going to tell you in this secret place is for your ears only. Isaiah 45, 15 says, Truly you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. How bad do you want it is the question I ask you today. Jeremiah 29, 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, it's that first part that breaks many of us. We seek, and then we don't get the answer we want. We don't feel the presence like we thought we were going to, and all of a sudden we drift back. That's the enemy's plan. He wants it. Our feeble attempts at getting into the prayer closet are all meant for him to thwart those things. He is going to bring everything he can at you. When you go in there, he's going to bring everything in your mind that's going to distract you and take you someplace else. But what I'm telling you this morning, you've got to get in there. You've got to be consistent. I'm not telling you a time frame. I'm just saying, set that time aside and say, listen, God, this is yours. This is for you. If I have to, I'm going to read the word. I'm going to read the prayers of the Bible. I'm going to begin to recite the things that I can remember. But begin yourself into that place and say, listen, God, I'm going to hold on. I know the enemy is going to do everything he can. But I am not going to be feeble. I am not. I'm going to be resolved and resilient in this place. Otherwise, you know what you'll find yourself doing? You'll find yourself shrinking back again. That's the enemy's place. He loves that. He loves it when people get all on, uh, excited and say, I'm going to do all these things. And then all of a sudden he puts up all these roadblocks and guess what? We give in to him. Song of Solomon 3, 1 and 4 says, On my bed, night after night, I sought him, whom my soul loves. I sought him, but did not find him. I must arise now and go to about the city. In the streets and in the squares, I must seek him who loves my soul. I sought him, but did not find him. The watchman who makes the rounds in the city found me, and I said, I ha- Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I left him when I found him whom my soul loves. I held on to him. It would not let him go until I had brought him to my mother's house. See, in the King James Version and the NIV, it says, All night long by night. The plural part of this is not for, the, for that. It's for multiple nights. He's saying that he, this, there's a, 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 a continuousness. There is a persistence. There is a seeking and continue. Like when Jesus said, he goes, Seek me with all your heart. He's saying in a continuous sense, Seek me and keep seeking me. When we get into that place where we just contend and we say, no, I'm not going. This is what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about right here. The one that I love, the one that I go to that secret place for. Nothing else. It's for him. It is him who I desire. That's why I go to that place. And you know what? If I don't find him the first night, if I don't find him the second night, I continue to look. I continue to search. I don't give in. I keep contending. I must arise. There is a diligence, determination to go and look, to press in. I must arise. I must seek. 
See, when they are actually all together, you see these two together in the Song of Solomon, there is actually a seizing, a not letting go that happens. Firehouse prayer is a passion that won't be extinguished by offense. It is a pursuit that won't be stifled by opposition. It is a persistence that won't be quenched by lack of feelings. See, when revival is birthed in prayer, revival is birthed in prayer. It is a gift from Him. It is a gift from God. He's desiring all of us to go to that place. I wanted to preach another message this morning, but the Lord's like, listen, stay here. Stay here. There are still maybe one or two. See, and I look in this group, there may be only two of you that say, I'm going there. I will not. I'm going to contend for my family. I'm going to contend. I'm going to contend to know this God that you talk about, Greg. That I'm not going to let go. I don't want a gospel that... It makes me feel good. I want a gospel that changes me from the inside out, transforms me so that as I go out these doors, I am something different than I ever was before. Revival, God's calling us. Churches, it starts, revival starts in our prayer closet with you and me individually. Put aside all the busyness. Chase after Him night after night. Go after Him like you've never gone after Him before. See, this altar we talk about, this altar is a place that you meet Him, not an object. This is not an altar. Your altar may be you laying flat out in your living room like this before God. God, I have to know You. I have to, I have to know You like I've never known You before. That becomes the altar. Any place where you contend with God, that's the altar. I want to inspire you to visit Him regularly, continually. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Every opportunity. I can't wait to be Him. Can't, get, can't wait to be with Him. Not, as, not just be interested in what He can do for me, but just be interested in Him. This is a place in your home it may be at your couch on your knees. It may be in your bedroom. It may be in a closet. But you're seeking Him with all your heart. Start small. Don't make it so big. I'm going to do it for an hour. No. I'm going to do it for 10 minutes, God. I'm going to give you 10 minutes. I'm going to start right there. This morning as we close, let's all stand.
The Lord's still calling right now. I, some of you guys need to come forward, I'm telling you right now. Some of you guys right now just need to make it right, right with the Lord right now. You need to say, God, I've got to get back where I need to be with you. There was a time, there was a place. Lord, I've got to get there again. I can't settle here any longer. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you. Day cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus. Jesus. This morning, I've, I'm not going to close the service like normal. I'm going to just continue with... We have an attitude of prayer up here. And I'm just going to ask you, you know what? If the Lord's calling you, don't hold back. Come forward. Say, Lord, I'm coming to the altar this morning. I'm going to make everything right. Maybe you've just slipped a little bit. And you know what? God's saying, this is the time. This is the opportunity.
isn't a place of shame. The altar is a place for freedom. As we just continue to pray up here, I'm going to allow you to leave. You're dismissed. Just if you could do so quietly, well, and let the people who are continuing to pray, pray. Father, our prayer tonight is that you would fill this place with your presence. So many moves of God have taken place, Lord, in the past. But, Lord, we're just thankful for this move now. Just open up your hearts tonight. Lift your hands. Tell the Lord, Lord, fill this place right now. Lord, fill this place. Let me feel your embrace Oh Lord, touch this heart of mine With your love so divine Let the embers burn in me Crack this heart of stone You've called me as your own Lord, fill this place Let me feel your embrace The embers burn The embers burn in me The embers burn in me Let the fire rise to thee You've cracked this heart of stone
universe burning me Let the fire rise to the heat You have cracked my heart of stone Father, our prayer tonight is that you would fill this place with your presence. 